second part of a four-part series today. And uh, our goal is really, the title of the series is Making Change. And, and uh, we are focused on some of the financial side to getting involved with God's plan with that in part of our life and just beginning to move forward in the fact that, you know, we said at the beginning of the year that uh, we want to ask ourselves this question, what matters to God and His plan and purpose for my life? Uh, you know, what, what's important to Him? And, and so we started asking this question in this realm as well, the financial side, meaning this, uh, how am I stewarding the resources that God's put in my hand? Now, resources are not just finances. Resources is time. Resources is family. Resources is, is everything that really kind of involves life. And how am I stewarding that, that in a way? Am I stewarding that in a way that it's going to honor God in its stewardship? And not only that, I'm going to see result, and I'm going to see fruit, and I'm going to see blessing from it. And whenever you follow God's plan, the fruit and the results will always be to your favor. I promise you it will. But last week, as Hannah really introduced this series, and she talked about the subject of less is more, and uh, I listened to it on Monday, and uh, I got to be honest with you, I was sitting in my office, it's actually in my bedroom at home, and I was sitting looking at my closet, and I'm blessed to have a walk-in closet at home, and, and, uh, but I have a piece of a walk-in closet at home. Uh, my wife and I share a closet, I share a piece of the big closet that my wife has at home. But anyway, I was looking at it, and I said, you know, man, I, I, I looked, and I saw four or five sweatshirts. And I'm thinking, man, I'd probably go wear the same one every time and don't necessarily do it. And I, and I just started thinking in, in line of how much excess do I have in the material world that's kind of unnecessary. And I love the scripture that she said that last week in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 6 to NIV translation it reads this way better is one hand with tranquility when two hand than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind and here's the statement that kind of defines that for you and I and I, I want to repeat it your life is too valuable your calling too great and your God too good Dads, listen, I know that the life that you and I are expected to uphold in our home and in our work and our job, and, and I don't know about you, but I started working at 12 and 13. I was packing fish at 12 or 13. And, uh, and, and ever since then, I've been on the course of working and working to, you know, make ends meet, working to, you know, gather maybe a few things to enjoy and, and to provide for my family has grown. And, and, and as that continues on, I, and, and even now as a pastor, I know you don't think pastors work a whole lot, but we do work some. And, but as I begin to do it, one truth that I have really established within my heart for the guys and for the dads for sure is that God is good. And it's not something that I ever have to think about is compromise. As a matter of fact, look at somebody and say, God is good. Now listen to the rest of the statement. It says, God, and you're God too good to waste your life on meaningless things. Refuse to waste your life on things that do not matter. And again, Proverbs 19.21 reads this way. It was really our foundation for uh, the beginning of the year it says, many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that will prevail. And I want to go to this scripture here, and I'm going to read the, the, the whole verse, all of the verses, because I think it's the foundation of this series. And it's in Psalm chapter 1, in, in verses 1 through 13 in the Passion Translation. 
It'll begin to amplify this thought. What is God's plan for my life? What does he expect from me? What should I, how about this? You ever thought about it this way? What should I expect from God? Did you know that you can have expectations of God and wondering if he's going to follow through with them? Uh, yes, he will. But if there's no expectation of God, it's kind of a one-way street. And this is a two-way street for you and I to be walking on. Listen to what it says. What delight comes to the one who follows God's ways? He won't walk in a step with the wicked, nor share the sinner's way, nor be found sitting in the scorner's seat. His pleasure and passion is remaining true to the word of I am, meditating day and night in the true revelation of the light. He'll be standing firm like a flourishing tree planted by God's design, deeply rooted by the brooks of bliss, <clears throat> bearing fruit in every season, every season of his life. He's never dry. He's never fainting, ever blessed, and ever prosperous. And if I, we were honest with ourselves, we probably would want to disagree with that sometimes because I believe there is times in our life where we feel like we are fainting. I know there are times when we feel like things are dry. There's a lot of things going on in the world that would maybe give attention to that in our lives, but there's this place of ever blessed, ever prosperous. And so I want to hone in this week into this statement here, never fainting, and never dry. I want us to look at it a little really close because you know what? I, I found out that some of the top ten reasons, one of the top ten reasons for someone to physically faint wasn't actually something physical to begin with. It's really uh, based upon uh, being anxious or stressful. Can you imagine that falls in the top ten of why someone would physically faint? It wasn't because they had something physically wrong with them. It wasn't because of circumstances. It was, it was more about they were anxious and stressful on the inside. And when I look at that word thing, in the light of that, I wanted to kind of maybe take us down this road this week together, entitled this week, Stress is Bad. Less is more, yes, but do you know what, guys? Stress is bad. Matter of fact, tell somebody, stress is bad. <laughs> Psalm 34, verse 19, reads this way. It says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. Now, when you look at that phrase and you read the commentaries and it says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, it can be, in both commentaries that I've read, really reads it two different ways. One, many are the afflictions of the righteous. In other words, I've brought a lot on to myself. Nobody in here is perfect and we've all made mistakes. And, but then also the other commentary reads this way, that many, there's a lot going on that are afflictions, that is life itself, and that's being part of a righteous. And the mistake that we have a tendency to make sometimes is to create this uh, 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 facade of what being a Christian is, and it's just nothing never goes wrong, and nothing happens bad, and it's just blissful, and we just kind of float on thin air, and, and that's, that's not true at all. Because you have to live life. And life brings things that are unexpected into your life. And, and if we're not careful, we'll allow that to create something beyond this word affliction. And the word affliction means this, adversity, calamity, stress, heaviness, sorrow, trouble in our lives. And when you look at this word afflictions, it has two uh, meanings in Scripture. Uh, there's a Greek meaning, which is, in, which is out of the New Testament, the word afflictions. It was a form of torture. They would take someone that had cre uh, committed a crime and they would lay him on a table and they would put a boulder at the end of his feet and they start rolling it over his body to eventually it would crush him. 
But in this scripture here, in the Old Testament, it's a Hebrew word. The word afflictions comes from another form of torture where they would take an individual, they stand them up against a pole, and they'd take boulders the size of paint cans or bigger and begin to sack them alongside them all the way to the top of their head to where they would actually crumble or be crushed by the weight of the rocks themselves. And what was really even more heinous in its form of torture was that people would come alongside that, not just men and, play, men and people of authority, but people would get kicks out of this, and they'd see it happening, and they'd want to be a part of it, and they'd start bringing stacking rocks on people. And the Bible says that many are the afflictions, and the reason I want you to see that is because, you know, I, I, from a couple of things that I watched this week, and then I looked into some places of maybe some psychiatrists and psychology, what would they consider things that would actually create stress in our lives? Again, look at somebody and say, stress is bad. But we've got to identify the fact that there is stress, and where does it come from, and does God have a plan that would help me maybe walk away from it? And more so, God gives you a plan to, while this is all going on, I can have internal peace while all this stress is going on. And so I'm going to use a couple helpers today. I'm going to invite Frank to come up. He's going to be the devil for me today. And then we're going to invite Josh to come up, and he'll be life. And I'm going to give you uh, maybe about 10 or 12 different stressors or things that might identify with you in your life that could be happening in your life. And, and I'm asking them to pile these rocks up and, and just one on top of the other. And, and remember, the torture that comes to the person that had committed something, a crime or something, they would cave under the pressure of this. Think about this. Here's some of the stressors that can be coming against people. How about this, the death of a loved one? And the reason I say that is because in the past two weeks, three weeks ago, our community was faced with a major stressor, and uh, some young children way too early took their life, and it was really unnecessary, and it creates stress in a community as a whole. Did we see that or not? How about this, confrontations, relational conflict in the home or in your family or how about maybe on the way to church this morning, you had a relational conflict and you were in great discussion with each other and it was a, started out healthy and then all of a sudden it got you know, back and forth with husband and wife maybe and all of a sudden you came to this place and the last one on top and it just... You caved under pressure and you both begin to explode and it got more violent and you got game face on this morning in church. But if we were in the car with you on the way here, that's what it was. And it simply may have started with a discussion about the kids or, the, or, or you didn't do this, you could have done this, why didn't we do this? And why did you wear that tie this morning? It won't match the pictures after church. Deadlines. Sometimes we've got to meet deadlines, sometimes legal problems. If you've got legal problems in here, don't raise your hand, but maybe you've had that and it creates stress. How about a job loss or trying to find a job? How about marriage or divorce? How about parenting? Kids can really you know, bring some pressures. Dads, 
It's a lot of pressure out there to be dad and to be leading like maybe society expects you to. And there's a good chance that you made some mistakes along the way. And, and maybe there might be a couple marriages behind you now. But you're trying to do your best. I'm telling you, I'm believing in the heart of people in the room. I don't think we're doing these things necessarily intentional. But I think if we're not willing to address and realize that maybe making change could be beneficial for me, uh, it would help me. How about, how about, how about maybe this? Illness. Illness brings stress, steals your money, pace of life, expectations that you place on yourself. We all have put expectation on ourselves to, to be certain things, and sometimes it can be so much expectation that if we're not careful, they're unrealistic in their expectation. Much less people come in and put an expectation on you as well. And how about this one? This one I heard this week and it resonated with me because I think we have to address this in the fact that it can bring stress, it can bring anxiety, it can actually maybe create calamity where someone chooses to take their life. How about unresolved sin in your life? Unresolved sin, you know, it's that one thing that for some reason you've promised God a million times, I'm going to get this right, I'm not going to do this ever again. I promise God, and with your grace, I'm going to be victorious, I'm going to overcome it. And two days went by and you did the exact same thing all over again. And all of a sudden you come, you know, a week later and you're around people and you've made, how about this, you've made that statement in front of people that I'll never do this again, I'm going to live this certain way. And then all of a sudden they saw you a week later and what were you doing? The exact same thing. And then the devil comes alongside you, life gets around you and makes you feel guilty of the unresolved sin and it creates so much pressure. And I might as well just give up on this, not try it at all. And then, of course, last but not least, retirement. I'm 52, be 62 here real soon, or not real soon, in about 10 years. And there's a lot of decisions I wish I made when I was in my 40s and in my 30s. And I, there's this piece of land I wish I bought when I was in my 20s. I could have bought it in, up on the north end of Manio for $10,000. That's a long gone now. How about this? How about money problems? We've all made the mistake in the realm of money problems, and, and, and I want to read some quotes to you, but I've never heard people say this, all right? I've never heard people say within the realm of money, ever since I got into debt, my marriage has been so much better. I never heard things like this, that massively high interest rate on my credit card brought me so much joy. <laughs> Every night when I go to bed, I thank God for all my debt. I praise Him for giving me more. No, but I do believe there are people saying things like this. I wish I could give more. I wish I could help people that were in need, but I just can't. Because it's all I got from here to there, and there's just not any left over. I wish I could help with that building, uh, uh, Occupy building program. Then we're in the appraisal process right now. And they, uh, I, I want to be able to sow towards that. I will never beg you to do that. I will never compel, compel you in a way where there's compulsion to do that. I will show you a plan how you could be a part of something like that. But maybe that, I say, I'm banking on the heart of people, not necessarily the, the, the wrongdoing of people. How about this? Maybe you have been in that place and, and you've... Uh, how about, you know, you need a new set of tires for your car, and it's 800 bucks. A given, it's 800 bucks for even the standard car today for a set of tires. 
or $1,000, and, and, and you're riding on bald tires because you don't got the money to pay for it. Much less you might just park that car for a little while, and if you had the money, see, it's, listen, if you had the money of eight or 1000 to pay for it, would you pay for it? Yeah, you sure would. It's not about your heart. It might be about not understanding how money works. When you look at this, how about this? And I, I had to throw this down. How about, I, I think there's probably people that would love to have a spouse stay home. And just one person work or have to work. And I hate to even use the word have to. But that's the heart. But when it comes to this place of understanding, if we're not careful, we can create an undue stress. And we're putting trust in you to make something happen. But there might be change that we have to do to get on board with God's plan and how he's doing it. I'm going to bring you back next week. I'm telling you right up front, I'm going to bring you back next week. And sometimes I think it's just one little adjustment that we can make in the realm of first. First things first. And understanding the importance of what that means in the kingdom of God. And, and where the heart and the treasure will follow the heart. Or the heart will follow the treasure. And then we'll come in the next week after that. We're going to talk about that future. My in-laws are coming back this week, and they're both in their 80s, and you have to think differently when this starts to happen for them. What, what, what can I do? How can I care for them? How can I make sure? I want to honor them. I, want to, I don't want them to have to want or need for anything, but what if they physically start to uh, wane in, in, their, in their activity? And Am I going to be prepared to help them? Because I believe we all want to be able to be in that place. I want to again hone in into something, and I want to talk about this word stress. And the way I'm going to do that is I want you to go with me to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to spend the rest of the, the service in this chapter. Philippians chapter 4, and look at verses 1 through 19, and there's no way we would be able to look at every verse, but I believe that I can take you into this chapter and work it into our lives that maybe we can just maybe, with all of this different, I probably shouldn't run, all these different things going on here. Maybe four or five of these are working in my life. Can I have peace in the midst of this on the outside? Yes. In Philippians chapter 4, just to kind of give you context of what's here, Paul has written this letter to the church at Philippi. One, two, three chapters have already been written. Now he's in chapter 4. And the position that Paul is in right now is he's actually waiting execution. He's in prison. He actually knows what his execution will be. It's a pretty good chance here that he will be beheaded. And it's probably not a good time to really be excited. It's probably not a time where you have a good future in front of you in the sense of this natural world. But he makes some statements here starting in verse 1 that I want us to look at because if this is what's going on in his life, not so good and forward, and maybe he's starting to think about, man, I wish I had said these things to these people back here. Maybe I should have, could have, would have, wished I had. And then he's looking over here and he's going, oh, it ain't going too good for me right now. Listen to what he says here in verse 1. Verse 1, stand firm in the Lord in this world way so in others i got this going against me but stand firm in this way as if paul's looking at you and i and saying look all this could be going on but you need to stand firm this way not that way not that way this way 
And in verse 4, he begins to give us another statement to capitalize on that. And he says, stand firm in this way. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, in just case we didn't get it, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. How? How can you do that, Paul? How in the world can I stand in this way and rejoice in this way? I think he's someone to watch because what he's facing. So go with me to Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. I want to take the time just to walk you through maybe four step uh, ways that maybe we could identify stress in our life. How can I address it out here and still have something different in here? Because it's coming. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. Number one, and this will get you, Paul says, stand firm in this way. Worry about nothing. (laughs) Easier said than done. Everybody say stress is bad. He says, worry about nothing. He says, don't be anxious. The word worry means to choke. It means to to choke you in such a way. Actually, it means this, that you will have a double mind. And James says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Here, what he's saying is, look, don't worry about what happened yesterday. You can't change that. You can learn from the experience, but you can't change it. You can guarantee that maybe when you get over here, it could be a little bit different. But then he says, don't even worry about that day. What, What can you do about it? How many of us look so far and think, oh, this could. I'm not sure. Never know. This might. Well, it happened to this person, so it for sure could happen to me. How do you know? Well, that's what they say. Who's they? I don't know who they are. Well, all of the people, you know, they. No, I get it. We got a lot of they's. We got a lot of people, and we got a lot of educated, and we got a lot of uh, things that confirm with statistics, and I, I get all of that. But really, what does God say? And so he says, worry about nothing, but how? Matthew 6, 27, New Living Translation says, Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? No, it can steal from your life. Especially your joy and your peace. Matthew 6, 31 through 34. Don't worry about all these things. Don't worry about these things saying, What will we eat tomorrow? What will we drink tomorrow? What will we wear tomorrow? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Oh, did you see that? You're not an unbeliever. You're, a, you're, you're at least are a believer in Christ. I'm, a believer. I'm, I'm assuming that. Uh, I can't always totally assume it in a church service, but let's just bank that the majority of people uh, would assume that, would say, if I ask you, do you, are you a Christian? You might say yes. And the Bible says that that's not how you think. The Bible says an unbeliever is more concerned about those things. Listen to what it says. Seek the kingdom of God. Oh, excuse me, I don't want to skip this. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your Heavenly Father already knows you have all those things in front of you for tomorrow. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and He'll give you everything you need tomorrow. 
Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough today. How do I worry about nothing? How do I worry about nothing? How? Live one day at a time. Don't live back here. Well, it happened here. No, don't. You just don't know what I've done back here. I don't care what you've done back here. You don't know how bad I messed up back here. I don't know. Join the crowd. We've all messed up really bad back here. And then all of a sudden, it starts to whirl around. You don't know. I, I made royal mess-ups with my finances. You don't understand. That's why I've got this student loan. That's why I've got these debts. And I tried to do the right thing, but it, this thing had a 26% interest, and it just seemed good at the moment, and I got what I wanted. But here I am. I'm stuck with 26% interest. And they said, I'll never pay that off in about 30 years. So what am I supposed to do? Oh, <laughs> what am I supposed to do now now you're going way out here what are you going to think I don't I, one day at a time don't go to that day go with me Philippians chapter 4 verses 6 through 7 do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus number 2 may seem sound simple, but number two, don't worry about nothing. Pray about everything. What does it mean to pray about everything? Don't pray about everything now. Don't pray about everything back there. It's done. And don't wait till you get over here to start praying. Don't wait till you're, well, you never know, but when I get there, I'll pray about it then. No, no, no. Pray now, one day at a time. Pray right now. In the realm of finances, in the realm of, of money. How about this? Let me tell you how to pray. Pray about everything. Let me tell you how to pray. How about this? Number one, God, give me self-control. When I see that 50% off, that's a good deal, God. You just don't know. It might not ever happen again. It will always happen again. Father, that, that, you just don't know. That, that surfboard is an $800 board, and I can get it for $400. i got to get it now. Why? God, give me self-control that when I'm standing, God, you, listen, she did it again, and I just got to go off on her. She just needs to know what I'm thinking. She just needs to know that she is messing up or he's messing up. Why? God, give me self-control to hold my temper. God, give me self-control to not assume the worst. God, give me self-control. Number two, how do I pray? God, give me understanding. Again, I said in the world of finances, many people just don't understand how money works. It's real simple. If you don't have it, don't spend it. But, 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 but that credit card said they would give me this. I got this credit limit. It's only $500. And they say you're supposed to have a credit card in case you get in a pinch. Yeah, if you get in a pinch. I don't have credit cards and disagree with me or agree with me or not. Maybe I should, maybe I don't. I just, I just was in a place with them and I don't want to go there again and it's better for me to have self-control without. So what is it? Give me understanding. Give me understanding, God. Wisdom and discernment, the scripture says, is the most principal thing that an individual can have. And I just need understanding to understand. God, she's different. She's a different person. She's a girl. She's my, she just functions differently. He's different. He's just a butt. He's just, he just doesn't get it. And you just, he just, they just, men just don't think. Give me understanding. A man was here in second service. 
They said something to me many years ago when I first came here, and they said, you know, I never tell somebody I don't like them or assume I don't like them. I just admit to myself I may not understand them because that helps me like them. How about this third way to pray? Pray first. Pray now. Don't wait till then. Pray now. Self-control. Give me understanding. How about this? When it comes to, to, to praying and under this, God, give me a plan. You know, show me. Give me a plan how to do this because I for sure don't know how. Sometimes we've got to get around people that know how. It's called putting pride down a little bit and say, hey, admit, hey, this is not my best thing here. It is yours because it shows how can I get to where you are. Proverbs 21 verse 5 says, the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. And I hesitated reading these quotes to you, but I want us to hear it because I think we can all identify with it, okay? Uh, First of all, let me say this. There's no condemnation to those that are in Christ. God doesn't hold your mistakes against you. His mercies are new every day. We're admitting that we have these, but we're ignorant to think I don't need to address some things in my life. Listen to what these quotes say. You can wander into debt, but you can't wander out of debt. You can stumble into debt, but you can never stumble out of debt. And I think this one's where most of us lie many times. You can mistake your way into debt, but you can never mistake your way out of debt. 1 Peter 5, 7 NIV says, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. There is no problem too big for God's power or too small for God's concern. He cares for you. Pray about everything. I want to move on and give you just a couple more because those first two really kind of relieve the stress that's going on out here. But, but how can I maintain that stress-free life? Look at somebody and say, stress is bad. How can I maintain stress-free life? And, and I don't really want to give you, again, the assumption that this stuff will never be happening. I want you to realize that in the life of stress, you can have internal peace. Look at Philippians 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Number three, think about the right things. What does that mean? Uh, Making change. What does that mean? Approaching and questioning and, and maybe I'm doing some things right. What does that mean? How about this? Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinketh, so is he. Your thoughts really govern where your life is. You know what? Sometimes we've got to be willing to ask ourselves, What am I listening to? What am I watching? Uh, who am I hanging around? Who am I listening to? Who am I letting talk me into? Who am I, uh, you know, if you're not able to hang out with the Joneses, don't hang out with the Joneses. If your last name's Joneses, no pun intended. That's not my point. But if you've got to be honest with yourself, if, if, if $100 is one thing to somebody, but $50 is, and $100 is one thing to you, and $100 is a lot more than what you have, you know, the more you hang out with the $100 person, there's a good chance you're going to be tempted to spend the $100 that you really don't have. 
I'm not saying we disfriend people, or I don't know what that actual, not befriend, I don't know what the actual term is. I'm not saying you disassociate. I'm saying, listen, if this is a place in your life financially, and I have a place here where I'm struggling, and I'm needing self-control and understanding and a plan from God, it just might mean in this area here where I'm willing to say, you know what, what am I thinking about? Am I in the place where my thoughts can be governed by the God kind of thoughts? In, in any area, illness. In any area, in marriage, identify the stressor. It might not be money at all, but identify the stressor. I said that might be four or five on all of us. Philippians 4, 19, and I'll give you one more and finally, really our final scriptures, a couple of scriptures here, and then we'll be done and I'll let you go. But I believe sometimes we take a subject that we're not willing to get some understanding on it and we make it more difficult or we just don't approach it. We just don't come to it and we just keep living the same. And here it is, guys. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. Think about the right things. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God shall meet all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Number four, trust God in all things. Making change. Less is more. (laughs) Stress is bad. Tell somebody, stress is bad. Can you trust God in the midst of this with an internal something totally bliss? Yes, you can. I'm going to give you one final scripture. And this is what I want to send you out today. In John chapter 16, verse 33. I love this because it, it, it kind of just resonates with us. He says, I've told you these things. Point at somebody and says, I've told you these things. That means it's for us today. I've told you these things for you to hear. It's not falling on shallow ground. It's going to fall on good soil, some things to hear. Pray about nothing. Pray about everything. Think on the right things. Trust God in all things. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace, internal peace. Why? Because in the world, you'll have trouble. <laughs> but take heart. Take heart. Take heart, dads. Take heart, dads. I've overcome the world. I know what your world is. I know the weight and the pressures of all of the stress that's there that nobody knows that you go home with and you lay your head on the bed at night. Maybe it's sin. Maybe it's anything. I know our Father is telling us this morning. He's saying, you know what? This is bad. It's not going to help you, and I can do something about it. There might be making change that will help us get there. Worry about nothing. (laughs) Pray about everything. Think about the right things. Trust me in all things and let me end here. But take heart. I've overcome that world. Can I just give you this final statement? The Lord delivers on all His promises. If you follow his plan. Thank you. See you next week.